Hey, you can applaud that video, all right? Yeah. There's a church in Charlotte, uh, Forest Hills Church. Their media department put that together a couple of years ago. They put that out on Facebook, and it had like it went viral. There were like five million views of that thing in no time because it reminds us of all the things that we're to be grateful for. We're wrapping up our series on gratitude that we've just entitled Grateful, and we're starting the Christmas season, and what a perfect tie-in. Because all too often, we take for granted all the good things that God does for us. So today, uh, we spent the first week, we did a three-week series on this. The first week, we thank God for who he is. Last week, we thank God for the relationships he blesses us with. And today, I want to talk about an important understanding that's all throughout Scripture, and that's this, that we need to be grateful in all circumstances, the good times and the hard times. And the Bible has a ton to say about these things. So we're going to start with a little bit of gratitude prayer here right now about the things we just saw in that video. We're going to thank God for clean water and shoes and family and cars and things that all too often we take for granted. We're living in good times. And we need to thank God for those things and never take them for granted. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord God, I want to thank you for that video. Lord, how amazing would it be if we woke up and we were thankful for electricity? Many people in the world don't have it. We are blessed and we're grateful. We're grateful for clean water. We're grateful for the cars we drive. We're grateful for the homes we live in. And we are grateful for shoes on our feet. Just right where you are, would you just thank the Lord for all the things he's blessed you with? Well, Lord God, we even thank you for Thanksgiving Day weekend. We had time to get together with our family and friends and have a holiday. And so, Lord, we're grateful. And, Father, we want you to know that because it's important. Bless our time together as we talk about being grateful in all circumstances, the good times as well as the hard. And help us learn something today about the importance of gratitude. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline, that, and if you follow along with me, you're going to be greatly encouraged. Psalm 92 reminds us it's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It's good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, for all the things we just saw right there. I mean, that's the idea of saying grace before a meal or giving thanks, to actually thank God for the food you eat, and to thank God for the people we're enjoying the meal with. It's important. Because we don't want to ever take those things for granted. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. Would you say that together with me, please? It's good to give thanks to the Lord. Now, point one on your uh, outline reminds us, it's good to give thanks to the Lord in good times. That's what we've been talking about. Psalm 100, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We're his. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Man, this is absolutely critical to our understanding of who God is. He's good, and he's good to his children, and we need to give him thanks. Now, three things about that. If we're grateful that God's been good to us, first of all, we need to tell him. We need to tell him. We did that just a second ago. We told him. It's good to stop before you eat and give thanks for the food. 
It's good when you close your eyes at night to thank God for the day. And it's good to thank him for the upcoming days ahead. It's good to tell him. If we have grateful feelings in our hearts, that's good. But we need to express them. Gratitude has to be expressed. And that's the point behind this whole series. And it's surprisingly easy to not do it. There's a story about this in Luke 17 where Jesus does a miracle and some of the people who experience a miraculous healing don't even say thank you. And it's something to remind us of how important this is. Listen to this story. As Jesus entered a village, there were 10 lepers who stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now you need to understand that leprosy was... uh, a term for a combination of a number of serious skin diseases, but some very contagious skin diseases that in those days there were no medical treatments for. And if you developed one of these diseases, the only solution was quarantine. And you got sent off to a camp or to a leper colony where you lived together with other people who had a similar uh, set of diseases, and that's where you would probably spend the rest of your lives. You couldn't go back to your house. You couldn't go back to your job. You couldn't have any connections with your old friends. You certainly couldn't go to the temple and worship. In fact, if you got close to people, because you might be contagious, you had to let people know in advance. You had to shout out, I'm unclean. I'm coming. I'm unclean. Which, think what that does to your whole self-esteem. Well, anyway, Jesus entered this village, and there were 10 people who were afflicted like this with leprosy, and they were shouting out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. We want to see our families again. We're tired of being isolated and alone. And Jesus looked at them and said, well, then go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, the priests were the people who, as God's representatives, were the ones who could pronounce them clean. Sometimes these diseases went into remission. People actually were healed. And when they realized that they were clean, they could go and show themselves to the priests who would examine them, and they could enter into society again. Well, Jesus told these 10 lepers, go even before you're healed, and you'll be healed. And they did. And on their way, they were healed. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for all that he'd done. And this man was a Samaritan. Now, you need to know this, too, that the people who lived around Jerusalem in that area, they were the Orthodox Jews, the people who believed what the Bible said. They believed things correctly as the Bible taught. There were people north of them in the district of Samaria, in the part of the country known as Samaria, where people had married people from other countries, and they'd kind of amalgamated their Jewish faith together with other faiths. Lots of superstition and strange beliefs were mixed in. And the people in the south looked at these people in Samaria as a bunch of heretics, goofballs, involved in kind of cult type of stuff. And uh, what was surprising was the one who knew enough to give thanks was one of these people, not these people. And so Jesus was amazed at this. And Jesus said, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. I mean, think how easy it is for us to not give thanks for being able to flip a light switch. To not give thanks, even though we enjoy clean water every day. To not give thanks for our family and for our spouses and for our cars. To get us to and from work, even for our jobs. God's given us so much. And it's so easy to take it all for granted. But here's even kind of a surprise. 
when this leper came back, the one who came back, Jesus gave him some insight into things. He said, you know, as you went, that was, you went by faith. You weren't healed yet, but you trusted me enough to go, and you were healed on the way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. And this man learned, oh, I can trust God for things. Jesus gave him insight because he was giving thanks. Do you know the same thing can happen to you and me? And we're going to see this a lot. When we give thanks to God in the good times, we learn to trust him and even, we'll even be able to then be able to give thanks in the hard times. It's why it's so important. When you thank people who are important in your life, you learn something about them. You see them in a different light. It changes your, the nature of your relationship a little bit. Well, the same thing happens with the Lord, and if we continually come back and give him thanks, he gives us insight into who he is in ways that people who don't give thanks never experience. Just remember that. You'll see that as we go through the rest of this lesson. Point B, if we're grateful that God's been good to us, not only do we need to thank him, we need to tell others. I mean, it's important. If God's been good to you, listen to Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Well, then speak out. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. I mean, there's nothing more encouraging than meeting someone who tells you what the Lord has done for them. You meet them and you go, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And there are a couple of people I know every time I meet them, I tell them, how's life going for you? And they go, better than I deserve. And they go, John, let me tell you what the Lord's done for me. And I love that. They brag on God. When's the last time you bragged on God? He's worthy of it, you know. And we need to remind ourselves of this. And not just at Thanksgiving where we give God thanks. Hopefully we did that around the table, but all throughout the year. I mean, there's this wonderful little quote uh, in, in the back here from Charles Dickens. I put that inside your bulletin. But Charles Dickens said that in America we got it all wrong, that we have one day for Thanksgiving. He said we should have 364 days of Thanksgiving and one day for griping and complaining. Get it out of our system. Because we're so darn good at griping and complaining. We need to go around telling people how good God's been to us all year. If we just had that one gripe day, we'd be way better off. I think he has a point. And point C, if we're grateful that God's been good to us, then we need to share. We need to share. If God's been good to us, well, that means he's given us plenty so we can share with others. I mean, that's one of the great things about blessings are is that we can pay them forward. It's the great thing about realizing how much we've been forgiven by God because now we're free to forgive others. It's a great thing when we realize how patient God has been with us because now we can extend patience toward others. And each time we do that, we become a little bit more like him. That's the plan. But if we hoard stuff for ourselves, we never learn that. Paul wrote to the Corinthians this, 2 Corinthians 8, Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they'll have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, all things will be equal. Paul just understood that, that way that we are stewards of what God gives us. Here's another scripture that's not in your outline. It's the chapter later in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And he said, God will provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I mean, some of you are going to be eating leftovers for a week, okay? You got plenty left over. In fact, if I said, hey, you got any food at your house? Please come to my house and eat some of this food. You got plenty left over. Well, you know what? There are lots of things like that. 
We have clothes in our closet that we could donate. We're not going to wear them. We got plenty of clothes without them. Let somebody else have them. Maybe God has blessed us richly, and we have some reserves left over. We could help someone who's really in a strait right now. They lost their job, and they don't know what they're going to do. What if we thought about things like that? And it's a real part of being grateful. These are all things we can do in the good times. But the Bible says we're supposed to praise God in the evening, thank him in the morning. We're supposed to be grateful all the time, in good times and in bad. And if you turn your outline over to the second page there, it's good to give thanks to the Lord in hard times. Paul wrote the people in Thessalonica about this. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And the people there had been through some really hard times. It's an important note. God wants us to be grateful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. There's a difference. I can be grateful in the circumstances where there's a difficult diagnosis. I don't have to be grateful for the diagnosis. I can be grateful in a time where it's hard to find a job. I don't have to be grateful for the fact that I don't have a job. I'm just grateful for a bunch of things that we're going to talk about this morning, how the Lord will help me through that. It's important to think about these things. Job understood this. If you've never read Job, right before you get to Psalms, the book of Job is tucked in there, and um, this is a real important book to read because it helps us understand how much God wants a relationship with us that is dependent upon our love for him, not just what we can do for him. Job was a very wealthy man. God had blessed him with a huge family, lots of flocks and herds, beautiful home, everything. And... Um, the devil, there's a conversation between God and the devil, and the devil approaches the Lord and says, well, um, there's nobody that really loves you for who you are. And the Lord tells him, well, my servant Job does. And the devil says to him, well, yeah, you bless his socks off. You take away his stuff. You let me take away his stuff. I promise you that guy will curse you to your face. The Lord said, well, spare his life and spare his health. And so uh, the devil uh, caused a storm to come up, for raiders to come. Job lost all his flocks, all his herds, all his family in one day. And here's how he responded. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief, and then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Where that little ellipsis is, it goes into the second chapter, and the devil came back, and the Lord said, Job didn't curse me. He said, well, yeah, because he still has his health. You take away his health, then he'll spit on you. He'll curse you to your face. And so the devil was given permission to um, cause Job's skin to break out in horrible boils that covered him from head to toe. And he looked so hideous, and he'd been through so much, even his wife told him to curse God. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Just curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. And if you wonder, well, why is this captured in Scripture? It's this note here. God wants to love him for who he is. He wants us to love him for who he is, not just for what he gives us. My love for the Lord, Job said, doesn't depend on my health. 
It doesn't depend on my blessings. I'm grateful for those, but I love the Lord for who he is. What would you think of someone who married someone and you came up to him and said, hey, you guys been dating? Yeah, about two years. It's like, well, why are you marrying him? Oh, he's got lots of money. What are you kidding? If I meet, if I marry this guy, I'm going to live in a great house. I'm going to drive a really nice car. I'm going to have great clothes, great vacations, lots of good food. I'm marrying him for his money. What would you think? Oh, that's great. That's true love. Well, what are you going to do if he loses his fortune? I'll find somebody else. Well, that's not love at all. That's a business transaction. We can get real close to that with our relationship with the Lord, too. Lord, I didn't get that job. Lord, you didn't heal me in the way I thought. Lord, my life didn't turn out the way I expected. I'm done with you. I'm not praying anymore. I'm not going to church. I'm not doing any of that. Lord didn't hear me. Didn't give me what I wanted. I'm done. That's what love is? God's a genie? Rub the lamp and he gives you wishes? This is what we think God is? He's the creator God of the universe. And by the way, he restored Job's fortunes, blessed him with another whole family, gave him a long life. But Job never turned against the Lord because he loved him for who he was. Last week, we talked about having true friends who will love you no matter what. I mean, it's important to have true friends who will love you in the down times, after the divorce, after you lose the job. When you're in the hospital, they'll come see you. They're not wanting anything from you. They love you. We all understand, now that's a true friend. God wants the same from you and me. They will trust him no matter what. Listen to um, some other scriptures here. Let's go to that Habakkuk scripture first, Habakkuk 3. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I'm joyful in the God of my salvation and my relationship with him, not what he does for me. Would that describe you and me? It's what Jesus is looking for. Now if you could go back to that John 6 reference. Jesus once did a miracle where he took a little boy's lunch that the disciples brought to him. He miraculously multiplied it until it was enough to feed 5,000 men plus their families with food left over. It was amazing. The whole crowd was in awe at this display of God's power. But what they were really in awe of was they got free food. And they wanted to follow Jesus. Man, if he can do things like this, we're all going to be fat and happy. And we know this because the day after he'd fed these people, he, he had taken his disciples with him. They'd gone to another side of the Sea of Galilee. Well, the crowd that he had fed figured out where he was. They went around the edge of the lake, and they met him the next day. This huge crowd shows up. They want him to do it again. More food. That was good. Can we get another? And Jesus responds here in John 6, 26, you've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you. I filled your bellies for free. You don't love me. 
You just want stuff. Imagine how heartbroken you'd be if you found out that somebody in your family only hung around you because you gave them stuff. Imagine how heartbroken our Heavenly Father is to find out that we're the same way. Not getting what I need here, God. I'm done. You didn't show up on time with the goods. I'm out of here. And we're talking to the creator of the universe. And he asks us to trust him. So, John, you said God wants us to be grateful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. Well, how could I be grateful when I've got a bad diagnosis? How could I be grateful when I've just been through a breakup? How could I be grateful when I lost my job? How could I be grateful with fill in the blank with a bad thing? How could I be grateful? Well, here's four things we could be great. Here are four things we could be grateful for. First of all, we can be grateful that God will somehow use painful experiences for our good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Joseph believed this. That was New Testament, by the way. Here's Old Testament. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. 20 years later, he was reunited with them. What had happened was they sold him to a bunch of slave traders. They had no idea where he'd be taken. Well, he was taken down to Egypt, which is exactly where God wanted him to be. And because he'd been sold into slavery... The right set of sequences were put, uh, right sequence of events were put in place that he eventually became the prime minister of all Egypt. God had orchestrated the whole thing. And one day his brothers needed to come down to Egypt because of a famine to ask help from the prime minister, and it turned out to be Joseph. They were terrified that he was going to seek revenge on them, and he said, No, you meant for evil. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In the middle of our most trying circumstances, when our dreams are not fulfilled, when life is hard, God asks us to trust him. When the barns are empty, there are no flocks because they died in the fields. When things aren't going our way, God asks us to trust him like Habakkuk, like Job that there's a bigger plan in play that we don't see. Job knew nothing about the dialogue between the devil and the Lord. Job didn't know at the time that his life would be examined by us centuries later, many centuries later, so we could all be encouraged in our faith. Do you know that God is doing more things behind the scenes than we could possibly imagine? And we can give thanks for that. Point B, we can also be grateful that, we, that God says he'll never leave us or forsake us. Forsake means turn your back on. God will never turn his back on us. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's written in Hebrews 13.5, and the writer of Hebrews is quoting Deuteronomy 31, where Moses is uh, about to die, and he's reminding the children of Israel as they go into the promised land with Joshua as their new leader, hey, you're going to face trials there, you're going to come up against armies there, all kinds of battles. But don't be afraid. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Can we say that together, please? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. One more time. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. What can I be grateful for when I'm going through cancer treatments? That the Lord will go through them with me. 
What can I be grateful for when I'm grieving the loss of a loved one? Did the Lord go through it with me? What can I be thankful for when I don't have a job? That the Lord is going with me in the job search? We can be grateful in that circumstance for the Lord's presence. Psalm 34. David said, in my desperation I prayed. It was a bad time. And the Lord listened. And he saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends those who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Taste and see. If you're going through a hard time right now, taste and see. God has good things in store that we can't possibly imagine. God himself goes with us. Thirdly, we can be grateful that God is bigger than any problem we will face. God is bigger than any problem we will face. Jesus told his disciples this. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I've overcome the world. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? We need to be convinced of this. Paul, the same guy who's writing Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for good, listen to what he wrote in 2 Corinthians. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we'd never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he'll rescue us again. We've placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Paul said, do you know what I learned through that whole experience? I thought we were going to die. The good thing about the whole terrible situation was this. We learned to trust in God and not our own skills and abilities. I met somebody after the 8 o'clock service. They said, that's exactly what I learned. If God had not gone through... In their case, it was the passing of a loved one. If God had not walked me through that grief process, I don't know where I'd be. But I learned to trust in him and not my own strength. I mean, is it not amazing? There are many people that can tell you this. This was the most horrible time in my life. But a funny thing happened along the way. I learned to pray. And I'm ashamed to say it. I had never really prayed before in my life. I read my Bible and it just, the words jumped off the pages. It was like, I was like a sponge. I couldn't get enough of knowing the Lord. And now my relationship with the Lord is so much sweeter because of these hard times. I know he's with me. I know he's working things together for my good. I know he's bigger than any problem that I'll ever face. I mean, could it be that God can use adverse circumstances for our good? Of course. Talked to a dad not that long ago. Child was graduating from college. I said, well, what, what do you think now that you've got one all the way through? And he said, well, truth is, I wish I wouldn't have done as much for him as I did. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you know, some of the things that I learned that have helped me become the person I am were some of the hardest things I ever went through in my life. And foolishly, I prevented my kids from learning some of those very same things. I took some of those obstacles out of the way for them because I was trying to be nice to them. And they didn't develop some of the habits I wanted them to develop. Sometimes I made it too easy for them. Wish I'd have been a little tougher on them. My goodness, and it's so true. Some of the very things that make us strong are the very things that we may keep our kids from experiencing because we're trying to be kind to them and we solve problems for them or we do things that they need to handle. 
Now look, when I say that, all of you can understand what I'm talking about. Well, if we know that as parents, if we don't need to do the homework for our kids, they need to do it so they actually learn it. We don't need to fight every battle for our kids. They need to learn to stand on their own two feet. We understand that. Well, if we know that, well, certainly our Heavenly Father knows that. And what if when we're going through hard times, God has a bigger thing in store than just solving that immediate problem right now? What if he's building character into me and into you? And we can't see it now. What if there's an opportunity that for us to help others and the only way we'd ever be able to help them is if we have experienced God's victory on our behalf ourselves. It's five years down the road. We couldn't even imagine that circumstance. God already sees it, and he's getting us ready. What if? I can give thanks for that. Finally, fourthly, we can be grateful that our troubles in this world won't last long. My goodness, one thing I am sure of is the older I get, the faster time goes. Paul talked about this. He said, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see, they'll last forever. By the way, here's a glimpse of heaven. I heard a loud shout from the throne of heaven saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them. And they'll be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. We're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances. In the good times for our many blessings. And in the hard times things we can't see. Look, I can see clean water. I can see shoes on my feet. I can see a car in the driveway. Well, let's give thanks for that. But let's also give thanks for the things we can't see, for character development, for a bigger purpose, for heaven. And let's trust the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, you want us to be grateful for the things we can see and the things we can't see. I know God, like that leper that returned, if we're grateful for the things we can see, over and over again, we express our gratitude, we'll learn to trust you more. God, I want to trust you more and so that when I go through hard times, I don't lose hope and I don't give in to despair, and I don't give in to the tricks of the devil who would love to tell me that you don't love me and you don't care about me, and he would want me to curse you. But God, we are not foolish people. We are your children. And oh, Heavenly Father, you know what's best for us. You know what's best for our kids. You know what's best for our careers. You know what's best for our future. In a moment of silence, if God spoke to you about something today, would you say, Lord, I heard you. I heard you. Thank you for reminding me of something I needed to hear. Oh God, I just pray that we'll be grateful no matter what the circumstance. David was right. We need to give thanks to you in the morning and we need to sing about your faithfulness in the evening. 
Lord, you are, your angel is a guard around us. You will never leave us or forsake us. You can work even horrible things for our good. I don't know how you do it, but I'm going to trust you. God, help me not be afraid. And Lord, remind me of how fast my life is going by that I only have a few years here and help me not get caught up in the needs of the moment just because they hurt. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Lord, for your abiding presence. Thank you, Lord, for the promise and sure and certain hope of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for doing amazing things behind the scenes that would boggle my mind. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You know, being thankful is a, it's a,